This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome again, everybody, especially if you're here for the first time. We are so glad to have you. Today's going to be a little bit different. We had the child celebration today that we don't do uh, every Sunday. And then also today, I'm going to be updating our family, those that call Harbor Home, on kind of what's going on, latest developments as it relates to this campus and this facility, which we've been utilizing as a tool Uh, for the gospel here for the last 15 years. So I'm going to be sharing, my name's Darren, by the way, if if I haven't had the privilege and pleasure of knowing you or meeting you, Darren Davis, my wife, Wendy, and I have been uh, senior leaders here since we planted the church in 2003. And um, we're going to be talking today about actually a title of my message is our children's children. How many of you believe in generational blessing? That everything is is on the increase as it relates to God's kingdom as it goes from one generation to the next. I love the saying that the ceiling of one generation's uh, accomplishments and life becomes the floor for the next to build upon, right? And this is what God is doing. This is what God is up to in the planet right now. And so I want us to think about what I'm going to talk about today through the lens of our own experiences, I don't want you thinking about anybody else, your spouse, your your father, your mother, your children, uh, your friend. I want you to think about um, what I'm going to talk about for, for just a little bit here through the lens of your own journey. Because at the end of the day, we're all children, right? We're all children of God, made and created in His image. And at the end of the day, we're going to each stand before Him ourselves. As we move from this life into all of eternity, it will be us with the Lord. And so in many ways, God is wanting to, I think, speak to us individually today. I don't know if if you're like me, but I I like uh, consistency. I like stability. I think Wendy is even more so that way. She doesn't like a lot of curveballs, a lot of change, a lot of challenges, a lot of trouble, a lot of pressure. Is anybody else like that? Or is, or is there some uh, really adrenaline junkies out there that just like chaos all the time, you know, in, in your life? I remember when we, we moved here, I would like to say that in our relationship with the Lord, which, which I believe even back then and which has strengthened up to this point, was very close to where we could we could hear Jesus, you know, just those quiet nudges on the inside of our heart telling us to go left or to go right or do this or do that. But I think oftentimes what I want us to be aware of is there's things that God is up to, and I believe this stronger than ever right now, and this is the reason I want to talk to you today for the these few minutes on what I'm titling our children's children. There's a time right now where we need to hear God clearer than we've ever heard him before in our lives. And sometimes to hear God, we have to be open to allowing him to use even the events in the world that were maybe meant for our harm, meant for our trouble. He's not the author of them, but he will use these moments to actually position us where he wants us to be. Can I get an amen? 
Now, I don't practice this. Our, our middle child, oldest son, Jesse, has he, he actually moves from a hobby to hobby. He was in this, this one years ago. Now I think he's into rock climbing, but years ago he was into jujitsu. Any jujitsu people in the house? There's a jujitsu person right there. Now, I don't understand this fully, but the way jujitsu works is your adversary or your enemy will come at you with great movement, great strength, great energy. And you, by the way that you're positioned, will use that energy for your advantage. Are you following me here? This is what the Lord is wanting to do with his people. He wants to give us wisdom that though we experience trouble, challenges, trying times, pressure, strength that feels overwhelming on some occasions, that that is... You're like, oh my gosh, this is coming against me. Why is this happening? You feel like your world is ending. I think you could read in the Psalms and find many, many other uh, individuals throughout the Bible that experience this very same thing. Yet God will use that if we allow him to give us the wisdom to be positioned and move into the things the Lord has for us that we may not be able to predetermine on our own. I remember when we were here, we were... You know, really coming out of a, a season of incredible momentum, we helped to plant a church in Birmingham, Alabama that went in two years from zero to 3,000 people. A good majority of these being very high level professionals within that community, doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, business owners, in an area of the city called Mountain Brook that was really pretty much, you know, untouched with with this kind of experience with Jesus in, in, in all of its years. In fact, I had, I had very high prominent people within that city coming up to me saying, man, I've grown up in church my whole life and I've never experienced anything like this. Darren, what is this? Lives being changed, marriages being just completely transformed. Children that were just a train wreck coming back into alignment with with their purpose and destiny and calling. It was beautiful. It was one of the most amazing things. And you know, oftentimes when you come out of an experience like that, if you're not careful, you'll think, wow, Lord, look what I've, look what we've done. Look what you've used us to do. And you'll come into another scenario thinking that at the end of the day, this is about you and that you have a greater level of responsibility in its success than we actually do, right? How many of you know that it's Jesus that is building his church? We don't own this thing called the church. We don't have any part of it. We don't even have, have, any, have any invested shares in it that we get in ROI. Can I get an amen? It's his. He said very clearly, he said, I am going to build my church. And he said very clearly that the very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build it. All he told us was that I'm going to give you keys, keys of understanding. I'm going to give you insight. I'm going to give you revelation and wisdom so that you'll be able to unlock the realms of where my father lives, all his goodness, all of his beauty, all of his justice, all of his equity. And you'll be able to see that unlocking come into your world because Jesus has bridged that gap. And he didn't just stop there. He just didn't say, hey, you're going to unlock things that are there and have them come here. He said, you're actually going to lock stuff that's here that doesn't belong here because it's not there in your father's house. 
You're going to stand on behalf of things that, that, that I'm going to ask you to stand on. And, and, and yes, in this life, we're going to see this scripture in just a minute, that we'll have trouble. We'll feel the pressure. Now, there's a verse in the Bible. I'm not going to turn there. It says, teach your children. Everybody say teach. It's very important. Teach your children in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Now, to break that down, basically what he's, the, the, the writer of that verse is saying is he's saying, listen, I'm going to put something in your kid. That they'll be able to stand on their own. Parent, mom and dad, as, as hard as this may seem, they're not going to need you as, as important as you've been up to this point in their life. When they hit that moment where they need to navigate whatever circumstance, they're not going to need you because what you've taught them has equipped them for that moment. Are you following me? Now what's interesting about this verse, I looked it up. It says old. Do you know what old in, in that verse actually means? I, I found the context. It actually means 13 years old. Isn't that amazing? So, the, you know, the, the context of, of when they said, hey, train up your child. By the time they're 13, they'll be able to navigate life. Now, I'm a little concerned because I've looked at the statistics as it relates to Christian families, at least in this generation. And most of our children have no equipped reality in their hearts to actually go off to college. And it's proven by, by statistics. The good majority, I think it's like 85, 90% are not able to stand within those environments. And I think something wants something. It's like a parallel of something I believe God wants to change. Now, I just thought about this. If you think back to World War II, I think, you know, 16 was probably the age when you know, young people were all of a sudden viewed as adults. Like many people even entered World War II early, you know, before they were actually able to do so. If you, have you ever looked back on World War II, like photos, and they're teenagers, you know they're teenagers in your, in the, in your mind, but they look like they're 50 years old? Is it just me? I, I, I look at those, I'm like, wow, they look like they're 50 years old, just the way they, you know, the, the way they appear to me, right? I think boomer generation, probably 18, you know, hey, that's legal age, you can vote, uh, you can be drafted into the military, you know, maybe that's the age that, that, you're, that you come into your own. My generation, I think it was probably like 21, you know, you can buy alcohol, you know, da, 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 whatever, these other things that you're able to do. What about millennials? 30? <laughs> Where are we at here? I, I'm, I'm totally... Come on, we got to go easy on the millennials, okay? But here, here's the point. Jesus, at the end of the day, was all about building big people. He wasn't about building a big ministry. He wasn't even about building a big following himself. He was all about building big people. There's some big people in this room. Ever since we've, we've been doing ministry here at this church, uh, 10,000 people have come through these doors that we know of. Many have gone on to do incredible things because God has raised them up as big people who exhibit meekness, power restrained, humility, 
integrity to navigate the things of life by the grace of God. Now I want to show you this verse because Jesus is kind of surmising. I'm going to go back and give you context this morning of kind of what he told them before this verse. John chapter 16, verse 33. But look what he says. He said, everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. The word there is shalom. It's, it's where the, the, the word Jerusalem or Jerusalem over in Israel comes from. And he says, listen, the reason I've poured my life out into you is so that the shalom, the peace of my presence will be on the inside of you. So that you will not be moved. Now I could preach on that for a long time. Think about the moment when Jesus is out in the middle of the Galilee. The, the waves are rocking, moving, uh, you know, turning back and forth. And the disciples literally thought they were going to die. These were experienced fishermen. And then Jesus releases with his very words the shalom of God. And everything all of a sudden becomes quiet and pristine. And they're fearful. They're in awe. They're like, who is this one? Little did they know that they were one day themselves going to carry that same peace on the inside of them. Are you following me? We undersell who we're intended to be. We think, oh, well, it was just about Jesus. No, it wasn't just about Jesus. Jesus was training his 12 who were going to train others so that they could carry the very same thing that he had within his possession as the son of God. That's exactly what he was up to. Little did they know, they would be carriers of his shalom into much worser, that's not even a word, storms. <laughs> Great confidence will overcome you. Can you imagine? What would it look like if we really had confidence in God? Peter was destined to have that. And before he had his experience with Jesus, he was all over the place. Lord, I'll be with you forever. Lord, I quit. <laughs> you know? Lord, I'll die. Lord, I'm afraid of anything happening to me. Right? He was all over the place, as we have been many times in our lives. In this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. Pressure is the Greek word there. That's what it means. But you must be courageous, courageous, for I have conquered the world. We'll look at those words as we close today. But here's the, here's the context of what was going on here. The disciples, as this 12-person band of brothers, these apostles, Jesus was getting ready to send each of them on their own journey. They weren't going to have each other anymore. And they weren't going to have him. He was going to be crucified. He was going to die. He was going to be buried. Ultimately, he'd be resurrected, appear to them, spend 40 days with them, teach them other things about the kingdom. And then he was going to be taken to send at the right hand of the Father where he remains to this day, seated in that place of authority. So they weren't going to have the Lord. They weren't going to have each other. 
And they were going to be off on these adventures around the known world. I remember when Wendy and I went to India for our first time, we actually were in the state of Kerala. And we went to the place where Doubting Thomas was sent by Jesus. Now imagine, here was this guy, if you want to be encouraged this morning, that questioned everything. If anybody doubted and didn't believe what Jesus was up to, it was Thomas. I mean, in in the eyes of, of world changers, he would have been at the bottom of the list. And we saw the very place where Thomas lost his life is buried to this day and still in the nation of India in this state called Kerala they talk about the miracles that Thomas did with his life that changed and transformed thousands of people each of the disciples saved John we're going to go into nations go into pressure situations with the shalom of God and be used mightily so much so that in Rome today that was the persecutor of these disciples, now have statues in their honor. Can you believe it? The very place, the very people that persecuted these ones, now revere them and honor them to this day. They're actually, it's the Bible says, seated around Jesus on thrones with crowns on their head. They have positions of authority because of the grace of God that came on their lives because of what Jesus taught them. Well, Darren, that could never be me. That is the biggest, it's exactly you. It's exactly you. And you were made for such a time as this. You, like them, are normal, everyday people. There's nothing special about any of us. God's so designed for us to be born, I believe, for such a time as this. And he wants to teach us the exact same things he was teaching them. Just for the sake of time, I'm gonna just quickly share these six things that I believe he was teaching these disciples. And I want you to take them for yourself, all right? Number one is this. And these are truth that I want to not come into your mind, but I want them to come into your heart. Number one is that you have direct access to the Father, the creator of all things. Right there. Look what John 16, 23 says. This is going back to where Jesus had been teaching these disciples. He says, for here is eternal truth. John 16, 23. Here is eternal truth. When that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything. But instead, you will go directly to... Directly to... You mean I won't need Darren or I won't need Bobby or? Listen, I remember there was some years ago, we had this young guy, he was coming to Harbor. Man, you, he was on fire. That's what it looked like. He was on fire. He was just worshiping with all of his heart. He was, man, he was the most um, expressive person I ever saw in worship. Always talking about Jesus, always talking about Jesus. And then he went through a hard time. He went through a pressure moment. And his life just unraveled. And of course, like the enemy does in those moments, he tries to shame and guilt and condemn us and make us feel horrible, which is not the will of the Lord, right? 
But that's where he was at. And so he actually stayed away from Harbor for many years. And then finally, when he came back and talked to me, I was like, what happened? And he was, he was honest and humble in his evaluation. He said, you know what, Darren? I came in Sunday after Sunday because you guys created such an amazing environment. You had such a beautiful relationship with the Lord that I was living vicariously off of your experience and not off of my own experience with Jesus. So when it came time for me to face a problem or a struggle or a pressure on my own, I didn't have the grace to stand in the midst of it. Which now I see that I have the capacity in Christ to stand because I can go directly to the Father myself. Secondly, here's what I want to say over us. We are bold. Come on, feel it rise up. (laughs) Come on, feel that thing rise up. We are bold. We do not walk in fear. We are bold. Remember Gideon, he... The Lord's like, valiant warrior. He's like looking around like, who, who, me? You ever felt like that? Come on, I've been under some, some fearful, that, that's, the spirit of fear is like awful. You ever really experience, it's like really awful. It's not fun. It's like, and I had, I don't, this, I don't, this, I don't know if this is true or not, but I thought, I thought it was pretty cool just hearing the illustration. I had a person that tell, told me one time, that actually the Lord showed him a spirit of fear, like literally showed, let him see it. And it was this little empty demon about this big that he said he could have squashed in his hands like a gnat. Fear, false evidence appearing real to intimidate, and it feels strong. But instead, we are bold. We don't operate under fear. We operate under love, which brings joy to our lives. Whenever I see somebody that's under fear, they look sad. They look sorrowful. And God wants joy. Look what he says here in John chapter 16, verse 24. He says, until now you have not been bold enough. Because when, you, when you're under fear, you won't ask for things. You're afraid to ask for them. You don't even think that if you do ask, there'll be an outcome for your asking. He says, until now you've been not bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. But now you can ask and keep on asking. And you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for. And then your joy will have no limits. The alignment here, the proper context, is that we're asking things in accordance for his will, not our own. And that's the reason why when we ask, they come to pass. Because we're not out for our own agenda. Lord, give me a better car, a bigger house, as, as wonderful as those things are. I mean, you know, that's not priority on God's agenda right now. But Lord, change our city. Touch people's lives, use us in a powerful way, is on his agenda. We can ask that. We can ask it again and again and again. The third thing is that you have spiritual understanding. Well, Darren, I never went to seminary. Maybe a good thing. I don't know. (laughs) Nothing against seminary. But I knew a guy that went and he came out. He didn't even believe in Jesus anymore. I was like, what happened? (laughs) Got to be careful about these things. You have spiritual understanding. 
He says, I have verse 25 of chapter 16. I have spoken to you using figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer teach you with veiled speech. In other words, you're going to be able to see it. Have you ever had one of those moments when you've read the Bible a thousand times and then there's that day when you read that verse and it's like it pops off the page? Hello? Have you ever had that? Please, somebody say yes. I need one for, yeah, amen, back there. Stephen's seen it. Okay, praise the Lord. I mean, simple verses that I've read. For God so loved the world. I never knew that world meant cosmos, the entire creative order. He loved all of it. For you have not only spiritual understanding, but you have a relationship with God. In verse 26, he says, I will not need to ask the Father on your behalf anymore. I'll advocate for you when the enemy comes before the throne. But I don't have to ask anything for you anymore because you're going to be asking it yourself. Because of your direct relationship with him, because of your relationship with me. Remember when Jesus said, listen guys, you have not because... You have not because you... The church in a moment of boldness needs to stand up and start asking God for crazy things again. Lord, make South Florida the best place to live and to work and to raise a family. That's a crazy ask. Because of the New Yorkers that have moved down here. I'm just, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. It's the California people that are cover, coming because of our great governor DeSantis. <laughs> they want to be around him. They love DeSantis in California. <laughs> Not only do you have a relationship with the Father, but you're loved by the Father. I mean, it's not just even a transactional deal. I remember when the Lord blew my mind when I was kind of in this pressure moment. I felt like my life was spinning out of control. I felt like, what am I doing? Oh, ministry, it's so hard. Ministry, ministry, ministry. And when the Lord came to me, he didn't talk to me about anything about ministry. You know what he said? Darren, I just want you. I'm not... After your life for the things that you can do for me, I'm after you because you're my son and I love you. I remember right after that experience, I'm driving to go pick up Luke and he had given me this, uh, this little photo of himself, like made out of a watermelon. I can't remember, it had like some watermelon kind of statement that was really cute. And I was looking at this picture just with beaming for love for my son, and he's not my favorite Savannah, you are. Come on, somebody. Savannah is my favorite. All right, just for the record. But the Lord said, Darren, you love your son. Totally, God. I love you way more than you love your son. And I remember thinking, how can that be? Can you imagine? Oftentimes we think that as well. We have a certain feeling or affection or love and God's like, I love you way more than that. 
Last one. And this is where it gets fun. Not only does he know you and you are knowing him, not only does he love you, but you are seated with him in a place of authority over all things. Has anybody ever had a moment in South Florida? It could have been the traffic. It could have been the humidity that you're like, Lord, get me out of this place. Has anybody, has someone had it yesterday? Okay. I love this region, by the way. There's no other place I'd rather live. But there's moments when I'm like, last night we did a wedding after one of those beautiful rain showers. You know what I'm talking about? It was like 4,000% humidity. I was praying with so much faith, Lord, translate me to Greenland or Iceland right now in the spirit. I literally thought I was going to die. I thought that was it for me. I was like standing up there as I was just ending these nuptials thinking I was going to be taken right up to glory because I was, I was humidified y'all. All I could do is look at the oak trees and think beautiful things, you know, were around me. I swear, Juan or Savannah, if anybody has an August or September wedding without an indoor plan, I'm not taking it. Come on, somebody. That's it. I retire. So think of this when you're in that pressure situation. When you feel like, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I want you to think about this. You can remove yourself from that place and say, God, I am seated with you above all of this mess. Minimally, it will, it's, it's actually true, but minimally it will give you a reprieve where you're like, God, there is peace here with you because you rule over all things, even though it doesn't look like it, even though I don't feel it. Look what he says. We're wrapping this up. I'm going to have the band come back up. He says, I came to you, sent from the Father's presence, and I entered the created world. And now I leave the world and return to the Father's side. Ephesians says that not only were we crucified with Christ, not only were we raised from the dead with Christ, but we have been seated with Christ. Right there. This is our positioning. So going back to the verse where we started as we wrap this up. He says in John 16, 33, everything I taught you is so that you will have, come on, let's say it, peace. We are all gonna walk out of this building with more peace than we've ever had in our entire lives. Because God has promised to give it to us as we hear his voice and heed his teachings. And he says, I will give you great confidence as you rest. Say it with me, rest. I'm not gonna be going crazy, 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 crazy. Out of our confidence and the peace of God, we're gonna be able to enter into rest. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I has conquered the world. Peace, the peace that he's talking about is the Greek word Irene, which means prosperity. 
prosperity of soul. Wow, I like that. We were staying with a friend before we made our way back from the Carolinas where we were watching our son Luke play his first college, two college football games, which was a lot of fun. It's a, you know, this, uh, this is a side, but you know, I was an athlete, but it's a whole lot funner to watch your kids do things. Do you know that's how God feels? He came and did some stuff, but he's like, come on guys, do it, do it, do it. He's up, you know, he's like, Luke was on like ESPN 10 last night for his game. I think it was ESPN 10. Was it one, two or three? It was three actually. (laughs) I take that back, it was three. But it was like, I was like, my son's on TV, you know? Luke, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't even want to talk to me when I get in that mode. He's like, dad, I got to go, you know, kind of thing, you know? But I'm like filming the TV. And I mean, it's just, it's embarrassing for myself. You know what I mean? I'm embarrassed of me. Okay. No, I'm kidding. But the thing is, is I'm, I'm so proud of him, you know, cause he's doing his thing. Like that's where the Lord's at with us. I'm going to give you prosperity of soul so you can do some great things. And he says, you know what? I'm not even going to really tell you what you're going to do. Cause even if I did, you wouldn't believe me. It's that big. Because right now you can't really comprehend it because your mind and your thinking is too small. But I'm going to expand your vision. Trouble, it's the, the Greek word thelipsis, which means pressure, persecution in the midst of a broken culture. Anybody ever been persecuted before? Felt that? It's not fun, right? But he said, I've conquered all things. It means to subdue and to have the victory. So, you know, walking through a little pressure situation myself recently with our team, and I wanted to update you guys as we close, but it is going to be a high point actually, because I'm so excited to see what Jesus is up to. You know, we moved here 20 years ago with our kids and the Lord shows for whatever reason to plant us and our first Broward Ministry Center right here in Pompano Beach. Pompano Beach was not the thriving town back in the day. Broken down kind of beach town. I remember we began to pray, Lord, renovate this city. Make it beautiful. Make it a place everybody wants to come to. I love the slogan. It says, Florida's warmest welcome. Hometown feel, progressive and vibrant in its existence. We prayed for that for 20 years because we believe that as this city prospers, we'll prosper. That's what God told the inhabitants that were taken in exile into Babylon. Listen, their peace or your peace will become their peace and then the prosperity and parity of what's going on in that place will become yours and you guys will thrive in this place. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.